Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. You hear the lion roar. You hear the music. You know it's another weekend with us here at BetQLU. Welcome in live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network, wherever you may be in the world, on your Odyssey app. Download it today if for some awful reason you haven't yet. A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's where you can get the podcast of the show as well once we're done. And, of course, you can watch us. Yep, twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube. Search BetQL as well. No RJ this week. We presume he is on his way home to the DFW Metroplex after a week on Radio Row uh, at the Super Bowl in Glendale. But I don't know if that's a safe assumption or not, given the some of the <laughs> social media posts I saw. Nonetheless, we are here. Kayla Canaram alongside myself, Chris Matt. Kayla, I know you had a trip this week as well. Uh, I, I feel a little left out. I was the only one that didn't travel this week. But you made it back, even if you had to deal with airport shenanigans and hijinks. RJ will just... We'll say a little prayer, making the sign of the cross for those not watching on Twitch and YouTube that he gets back in one piece. <laughs> After Super Bowl week and Radio Row and all the parties, who knows where RJ is right now? Maybe he made the flight. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he's I saw in a back alley that somewhere. One, that's entirely possible. I saw one morning he was sitting on Radio Row with <laughs> bottles of water and Gatorade lined up in front of him oh, no. while he was eating t- <laughs> while he was eating tuna out of a pouch. So take that for Ew. what it's worth. Yeah. That's not how you cure a hangover. Oh my gosh. Not Is he trying all. to make himself no. sick? You got to get the proteins in, right? You know? So <laughs> RJ had, 
at gains, right? Hashtag gains. Um, anyway, Ew. Kayla and I will still go through some of the biggest college hoop games to keep an eye on this Saturday. We got to get you our best bets as well. And uh, we'll talk college football because there was a, a big news item at the end of the week that will affect things, maybe not this season, but certainly sooner than we originally thought. And we've got a, a line on maybe some teams that you'll want to keep an eye on improving year over year, certainly, as you wait for those win totals to come out and those future bets as well on college football. All that in a couple of minutes. Bubble watch in just a second. But we start this week, Kayla, with, and there is zero sarcasm in my voice when I say this, my favorite guy in college basketball, Jim Behan. <laughs> Uh, who said some things earlier this week and then immediately walked them back. Quote, this is an awful place we're in in college basketball. Pitt bought a team. Okay, fine. My big donor talks oh, about it, but he doesn't snap. give anyone any money. Nothing. Not one guy. Our guys make like 20 grand. Wake Forest bought a team. Miami bought a team. It's like, really? This is where we are? Wah. I added the wham. That's really where we are. <laughs> And it's only going to get worse. Clutch your pearls. Kayla Canaram, Jim Beheim, who then later, less than 24 hours later, walked back his comments about Pitt and Wake Forest um, and seemingly walked back everything. But at 78 now, uh, also said that he doesn't understand why anyone at Syracuse wouldn't want to have him back. Basically said the decision is up to him. Um, so this is a two-pronged thing. I'll leave the NIL conversation for the second half. The first half is... How horribly out of touch is Jim Beheim in going after programs who may or may not be using NIL in Pitt and Wake Forest, especially when this is a man with the history of having wins vacated for doing this very same thing when it was not allowed? Yeah, his, his age is showing at this point. You may not like where we're at in college athletics, but that's just the reality. And so I guess now you have no choice choice but to adjust and suck it up. And mm -hmm. he sounds like a grumpy old man, which he just is. He is. But um, yeah. he is. It's just, this is just the reality of the situation. Um, I don't love it either. I'll get into that in a second. But you can't make false claims about teams like this even if you don't like it even if you think something fishy's going on it's legal now so i guess you just have to suck it up and, and deal with it and um if you don't like it then maybe retire <laughs> right exactly and, and and understand that to to be quite honest syracuse is not the same name brand that it was 15 mm -hmm. 20 years ago uh because of in large part jim Beheim. like it, it, that's only fair, I think, that if if he had decided to peacefully transition power to someone else at some point in the last decade, maybe Syracuse would still be looked at as a perennial power, a perennial contender, or at least one of those teams that's a perennial tournament team and goes through cyclical waves of being able to contend for titles as they were towards the end of the Big East days. Uh, but have you, not have you always disliked him? Yes, with a burning right, I mean, passion because... Okay. No, you're good. Uh, because here's the problem. If Jim Beheim were mean and nasty to reporters, especially student reporters, if Jim Beheim sat on the sideline and picked his nose and ate it, if Jim Beheim uh, gave one word answers and did all of that, but was still had some redeeming quality to him, like, you know, uh, 
I, I don't know, saved drowning puppies on weekends, whatever it may be, I'd, I'd, I'd find the good in Jim Beheim. But I have a hard time even finding the good in this guy. And I feel bad because I try to find it in just about everybody, but there's very little in Jim Beheim that I, there's no silver lining to his clouds, it strikes me. And to bring it back to the NIL conversation again, you you are one of the people with a history of being busted for doing this when it was not allowed. You you had guys handing over Manila envelopes of cash to people, and now you're complaining that teams may or may not be doing it legally. Where, where it's is only your fun sense when it's illegal? Right. <laughs> you know what? In college, I would have been down with that slogan. Had hashtags existed, then it would have been hashtag. <laughs> it's only fun if it's illegal. But like. In all seriousness, I did. There's, he's so out of touch. Yeah, and he went on to say in this article, uh, coaches are leaving because of this. And he called out, he said, this is essentially why Jay Wright left college basketball. Mike Krzyzewski right. left college basketball um, because of NIL, because of Transfer Porter, Transfer Portal. Um, I don't love where we're going either with college athletics. Like, I think we're creating monsters. I think this is going to be the demise of college sports. Um, it's just, you, I don't think you can take something back like this at this point. <laughs> Once college right. kids are getting money, it's not like you can say, oh, we're going to end this now. So yeah, it's like adapt, adjust or get out. But do you think that's true? What he said about Jay Wright and coach K or was it just like they were done coaching? I don't know if it's necessarily NIL that pushed guys like uh, Mike Krzyzewski and Jay Wright away. I think in coach K's case, it was just, he saw that it was time. He, he, you know, it, I think everybody sees that time at some point and he recognized it. Unlike Jim Beheim, who seems immune to recognizing that fact. I think in Jay Wright's case, it may have been, Hey, I've never wanted to be a guy that wants to just sop up one and dones and transfer portal guys every year. I enjoy building a program, which he had done such a great job of at Villanova. Um, Duke had shown a propensity to be able to handle one and dones and transfer portal guys. Um, I think when you, when you combine the portal with NIL and put all, roll all of it together into one big ball of wax, and the portal I don't think will be the monster that it is once we get past the COVID year of eligibility that a lot of people have. Um, I do think it, it'll be mitigated somewhat. But in Jay Wright's case, do you want to do you want to bring in guys who maybe in some cases are less heralded and build them up and build your program? and know that you're constantly in contention because of the constant groundwork that you're laying? Or do you want to feel like you've got to go out every year and, and do it all over again? And I think that was more the case with Jay Wright. And I think I can see that for a lot of coaches. I don't want to have to rebuild a new team every year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, but, that's a good point. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I was, I was more surprised about Jay Wright. Coach K felt like he came to the end of his career job well yeah. done you deserve this but yeah Jay Wright still felt like he had some gas left into the tank um also he was my favorite silver fox but that's neither here nor there um speaking of <laughs> guys good looking um <laughs> so so no 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 si this is a side conversation now because we, we we promised that it would get off the rails a little bit today so here's my question do, should, do college coaches yeah. <laughs> do, do coaches look better in the suits and ties and dressed sharp, or do they look better in like the sweatsuits and the polos? Which does Kayla Canaram wish mm -hmm. more college basketball coaches would get back in their suits? 
Jay can do whatever he wants. He can pull off anything. Um, I think some of these guys maybe aren't in the like physique up to like, you know, well, they're not yeah. in the best shape. So maybe a suit fits them better, a little more professional, but yeah, Jay has my permission to wear whatever he wants. <laughs> this is getting weird. Uh, Speaking of amazing really college is. coaches, I have a story for you. Okay. Um, as we discussed last week, I went back to Missouri because the dance team I was on at Mizzou got inducted yes. to the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. Tyler You're a Hall Hansborough, of Famer now. I'm a Hall of Famer now. Uh, Tyler Hansborough also got uh, inducted for, obviously, his career at UNC, and then he went on to play in the NBA. Guess who was there? Who? Roy Williams. And I didn't know it until after. I was in the same room with Roy what Williams. What did you do? What he did came you do? to support you him. Did... I love Roy, despite his years at KU. Mm -hmm. He's like my favorite college coach of all time. I was you're, fully you're, freaking out. You, you've got um, a tangled okay, so... web you weave where, where <laughs> you hate all things Kansas, but Roy Williams shows up and all of a sudden you're, you're in love. I, I love it. Well, and of course, Tyler was one of the bigger names, so they had him second to last. And so in his speech, he goes and I, he was, thanks his coach and he kind of looks over at his family table and I'm like, oh, okay. And then, uh, the director gets up there and he was like, and we just want to thank, um, coach Williams for making the trip today. He's joining us. And I was like, what? He was here the whole time. It was like a three and a half hour induction. And we didn't know until the very end. And then he like peaced right at the end. So I couldn't even go find him. Cause he knew anyway. you were in the room and who knows what would happen. Like what if he had had a, a KU pin on somewhere and you came after him? That could, that's the worst possible <laughs> thing that could have happened. Roy Williams attacked yeah. at Missouri hall of fame induction ceremony while honoring Tyler Hansbrough. <laughs> Um, all right. That's, uh, th uh, well, first, congratulations on the induction. Oh, Second of all, con congratulations on the willpower and restraint to not chase down Roy Williams as he was piecing out the back door. Um, let's Getting talk bubble watch would not watch have now. been a good look. Okay. <laughs> no, not at all. You wouldn't have made it back in time for the show either. Bubble watch. Uh, last four in now as we use our bracket matrix, uh, bracket average of over 200 different mock brackets around the country that producer Zach finds and puts together last four in Kentucky Clemson Oklahoma State and Memphis Clemson I think has a chance well first and foremost this tells you all you need to know about the difference between the Big 12 and the ACC right now Clemson is in a tie technically via conference record for first place in the ACC, Virginia, Clemson, and Pitt, all 10 and three in the conference. And Clemson is on the bubble. So that tells you all you need to know about the ACC. And then the Big 12, there's a chance it could have eight teams in at this point, the way things are going with Oklahoma State sitting there firmly as one of the last four in. So Kentucky, Clemson, Oklahoma State, Memphis, the last four in. The first four out, Wisconsin, Texas A&M, Utah State, and Seton Hall, Kentucky putting themselves firmly back on the bubble after an ugly loss to Arkansas Thursday night, giving up 47 in the second half. Oklahoma State coming the other direction, like two ships passing in the night. They've won four in a row after beating Texas Tech on Wednesday. Um, and Utah State, we talked about them last week being on the bubble as one of the first four in, I believe, now one of the first four out because they still don't have one of those quadrant one wins. They are 0-4 against quadrant one teams, so just beefing up their record 
on, uh, I guess it would be the Mountain West. So uh, as we sit here and look at the bubble, Kayla, of those eight teams that we have listed as the last four in and the first four out, which one do you have the most confidence in right now? I'm going to go with, I think you're good with saying Clemson. Oklahoma State, they've got a tough road ahead. They have number 11, Iowa State, number 9, KU, number 17, TCU, West Virginia, number 12, K-State, number 14, Baylor, Texas Tech. So that's going to be a tough remainder of the season for them. Um, I'd like to see Kentucky get in. I'm an SEC gal. They've got number six, Tennessee, as of now. That's the only ranked team left on their schedule. So I'm going with one of those top three, or top two, probably Kentucky or Clemson. Um, as far as first four out, ugh. Um, probably none like of those are really Utah State. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. None, none, uh, none, none of those are really crazy attractive. If I'm looking at like, if I'm looking at resumes, none of them jumps out at me. I mean, Seton Hall, I think, is 57 in the Ken Palm. I'm not sure where they are in net rankings, but I don't think they've got. I think they're three and six in quad one wins. It is so. There's nothing especially impressive about the way they've gotten to 14 and 10. That's not a number that jumps out at you. So, yeah, I, I think what we're seeing increasingly is that there may not be a lot of teams that end up uh, uh, on the outside looking in that have a very strong case. Like, when you get down to it, you know, can you make a great case for the Wisconsins and the Texas A&Ms of the world? I, I, I don't know. It, it feels like it's going to be very – there's going to be – less of a bubble than ever this year is what it feels like to me anyway yeah agree coming up next uh football because something big happened at the end of this week involving movement realignment and what it means for scheduling in one conference in particular plus we still got to get you our best bets of the week and take a spin around some of the biggest games on the hardwood this Saturday. All on the way, RJ Choppy off this week. I'm Chris Mack alongside Kayla Canaram, and this is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Teams that are primed to bounce back in college football this fall, we go through uh, about a dozen of them here in a couple minutes here on BetQLU. Alongside Kayla Canaram, I'm Chris Mack, live coast to coast on the BetQL Network and wherever you may be in the world, on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Get in there, follow the podcast, and it'll download to your Odyssey app every week as soon as it's ready to go. We are here every weekend and on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash betql, and on YouTube as well. We also got to get you our best bets of the weekend and uh, about a half dozen basketball games that we're keeping an eye on that we're going to spin through quick previews of as well before we wrap things up. RJ is off this weekend. Uh, working his way back somehow, some way from Radio Row at Super Bowl 57 in Arizona. You just hope it doesn't end up like a hangover type situation, Kayla, where he's asleep <laughs> on top of a hotel and they don't find him for a weekend and, some, and somebody ends up in a trunk and it's not the right guy. I could, I could see things going that way for RJ. That seems like something that would happen to him. Yeah. What Did he tell yeah. us, was he going to any parties? Did we, did we know if he was... 
I don't know if he had any booked up before we talked to him last week, but they definitely got some work in. I think they, they judging <laughs> by the way things looked from what I saw on Wednesday morning, they, they were, they were getting it in. So um, we'll give There's him enough the week bars to in Arizona. Yeah. You can really make it true there. Yeah. You can get to work there. Um, before we get into teams primed for a bounce back in college football, uh, let's talk about what was uh, reported on Friday, which was Oklahoma, Texas, moving to the SEC a year earlier than their agreement originally stated. They're going to pay the Big 12 a total of $100 million, Oklahoma and Texas, to move to the SEC a year early in 2024. So this year, you'll have the influx of the four new programs to the Big 12, plus you'll still have Oklahoma and Texas around before they take off in the following year. And then once Oklahoma and Texas move to the SEC, the SEC has said they will rip up divisions. There will be no more East and West. It'll be 16 teams in the conference, which means some sort of rotational schedule, whether they stick with eight conference games and one uh, steady opponent every year, or they go to nine conference games and maybe three permanent rivals on the schedule. Uh, G. Allen Taylor, who covers the SEC and Florida for the athletic, uh, threw out a pitch there on social media Thursday night that included a list of every program that'll be in the SEC and their three uh, primary rivalries or permanent rivals, if you want to call it that, that they would play every year. Your Mizzou Tigers, Kayla, would be locked in with Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Oklahoma in this version of things. We ask you first, is that acceptable to you? We have to clear it with you first. It is acceptable. I actually like this. Uh, Former Big 12 rivals, when I was at Mizzou specifically, Mm -hmm. OU was our biggest issue. It wasn't Kansas, even though they're technically our forever rival um, right. but OU was the one team that we always went head to head with. They, um, beat us in the big 12 championship my sophomore year after we were number one in the nation for a week. Uh, we finally beat them when they were ranked. It was after I graduated, but it was homecoming. It was college game day. And I went to the game and we finally took down Oklahoma. So I'm excited to see this big 12 rivalry come back into play. Um, Arkansas, they've tried to make our rival for the last few years. Well, ever since Mizzou went to the sec, Mm-hmm. It is what it is. It's not going to hold the same weight as in Oklahoma or Kansas. Um, and then Mississippi State, okay. <laughs> I don't really have yeah. an opinion either way here. I would think more like maybe Kentucky or I don't know. But I, I like this breakdown. This is cool. I actually would like to see um, an Alabama-Texas in there. They have Auburn, Tennessee, LSU for Alabama. I feel like Texas-Alabama is becoming a thing. Yeah, it should become a thing. I mean, it, it, Alabama's three permanent rivals, according to this 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 uh, pitch that was thrown out there again by G. Allen Taylor of The Athletic, Alabama's three permanent rivals would be Auburn, of course, uh, and Tennessee and LSU. So, uh, and you, you go look at it. It's an interesting concept. Nine conference games every year. Three of them are fixed, like we talked about with the permanent rivals, and the other six would rotate so that you would go to every venue in the conference, I believe, every four years. You'd play every team every two years, I believe it is. So it's still a strong rotation of of working through the entire conference. Um, And so I kind of like it. I am, am, maybe I'm just setting my ways. I like divisions, to be quite honest. I like battling for division standing. And um, I think 
simply taking the top two teams from the conference to play in a conference championship game doesn't seem like a real conference championship game. It's just, they've, in a lot of instances, they've already played each other. Anyway, um, I, I do understand why con- the Power Five are going this way, though, because it'll set more of their teams up for uh, the 12-team playoff, which will also start in 2024, which is the interesting part of this. In 2024, with the SEC stacked like this in a 12-team playoff, I mean, I don't think you could rule it out of the possibility of, I mean... Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You you, you get four SEC teams into a 12-team field still, and we'll still have those people yelling and whining and, and complaining that, oh, the SEC gets gets favored, which when you're the better conference, that's that's understandable. And that's coming from a guy that lives in Big Ten country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I agree with you in terms of having divisions. Do you think they would go to four divisions and have four teams in each division based on region? Just I've having no division proposal- feels weird. Yeah, I've seen the four pod proposal, which which I've seen people break it down different ways. You end up keeping a lot of the same rivalries in place. And again, you're going to cross over a lot and play everybody every two or three years. So I don't think there'd be a problem with that. I just, If you're going to blow up the divisions as they exist and not have eight and eight, then fine. Just blow it up and go to all 16 in the same conference. Just make sure that I that teams still get to play their traditional rivals you know i yeah it's going to be hard it's going to be weird to see you know schedules where you know bama for example we've already gone the route of bama not playing georgia every year like they like those traditional powerhouses so so I, i think we can we can understand that that's that's just the way it works now and you hope that they get to play each other often enough that you still get you still get your your appetite for it i guess somewhat fulfilled so uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on how the SEC moves forward in, in, in their scheduling process once that is uh, is all locked in and decided. As for teams that are primed for a bounce back, Bleacher Report did an, uh, an interesting write-up this week of the dozen or so programs that they feel are primed for bounce back seasons. I'm going to roll through. Uh, we'll roll through each one, Kayla, one by one. You tell me ready for a back ba- bounce back or not. Uh, we'll just put it that way. So they start, and we'll okay. go in alphabetical order. Arizona, uh, five and seven a year ago uh, under Jed Fish. Um, good good quarterback work from Jaden Delora, quality receiving core. If their defense can, can take a few steps forward, I think they were 11th in the Pac-12 last year. Um, maybe they're bowl eligible. They should be able to improve by at least a couple of wins, uh, some people think. But I'll leave it to you. Arizona, primed for improvement or not? I'm going no. When you're in the same division as a hot USC, a Utah State, or sorry, Utah, um, Oregon, Washington, I just don't see it happening for Arizona, especially when you've got those three at the top that are really doing well. Those second-tier Pac-12 programs like Arizona, Arizona State, I think have an opportunity to maybe take steps forward once the specter of USC, especially, and UCLA are not looming over the conference all the time. And that'll be interesting to watch in a couple of years. But I think you're right. I don't know if I'm on board with Arizona having a big bounce back this year. Auburn, uh, Brian Harson out 9-12 and in less than two seasons. Hugh Freeze 
in and apparently did a really nice job on the recruiting trail and in the portal as well. Didn't perhaps land the quarterback that they were looking for, but 12 transfers from Kentucky, Purdue, Maryland, Power 5 programs, an offensive tackle, Gunnar Britton from uh, Western Kentucky, who's supposed to be a stud. Brian Batty, uh, a running back from South Florida, who's supposed to be quality. I do think Auburn's going to see a little bit of an immediate bump. What about you? Right there with you. Um, It's been weird seeing them have a down year because we're used to seeing them being one of the powerhouses in the SEC. So I think um, I'm excited to see what Hugh Freeze is going to do. I know he's had a rocky past, but uh, this is a huge, a huge gig for him. And yeah, like you said, he's recruited, recruited well. Um, So I think Auburn is set for a comeback next season, but I still have Colorado. Of course you do. Come on. That goes without saying. We know you. That game I will never get over last season. (laughs) Uh, Colorado. Look, we all know the story. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders uh, brings in Cormani McLean, flips him from Miami, the five-star defensive back recruit. Uh, He's got Travis Hunter, uh, last year's top-ranked player. Uh, so he's, he's got, he's already infused talent. Um, I do think, I think their win total that I saw at FanDuel anyways, it's set at, set at four and a half right now. I think they'll beat that. I think there'll be a five or six win team. I don't know if they immediately jump back to bowl eligibility, but I think they'll be close. Um, I think it sets up nicely for Colorado. Again, once USC and UCLA are out of the conference for them to maybe make a run. But, um, I do think we get a, a, a decent bounce back from Colorado in the first year of coach prime. Agree. I think just him coming there already boosts team morale and guys want to play hard for this guy. You saw what he did, um, you know, at his last goal. So I think Colorado is <clears throat> set for a bounce back season. I'm actually, I think most excited to watch them and I don't even care about the division. <laughs> huge, huge but early game against TCU they're an interest- uh, as well. Yeah, They're going so to be an interesting storyline to follow. Yeah, uh, I know how you feel about this one, but let's mention it. Kansas, uh, a lot of people think because of the way the first half of last season started, and it started really well, won their first five games, and then uh, the loss to TCU, Jalen Daniels getting hurt. He'll be back, though. They're returning 17 of 22 starters. They got a couple pieces in the portal as well. I do think Kansas ends up finishing this year what they started last year. I think they go to a bowl game. I think they win seven or eight games. I know that hurts your heart to hear, though. Didn't last year count as their comeback season? That's that's the best they can do us in terms of a comeback. So <laughs> shade. I think so much shade. So much petty, petty shade. It is so petty. I think we're in for a similar season as last year. Maybe they'll show us glimpses, glimpses, but mm-hmm. it's Kansas. They're gonna find a way to like ruin it for wow. themselves. They're going to find a way to be Kansas. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I, be- I, I believe that if Jalen Daniels stays healthy, they are an eight-win team. Uh, Kentucky okay. should have been an eight-win team last year. Uh, they were coming off a pair of 10-win seasons. Um, and they did. I think they did end up winning eight last year. Mark Stoops has done a nice job, but their offense was trash last year. So Will Levis moves on to the NFL. They fire Rich Scangarello, their offensive coordinator. They're being back Liam Cohn, who had gone on to work with the Rams. Uh, who helped lead them to 10 wins a few years ago as offensive coordinator. He'll have Devin Leary to work with. We don't know how healthy he'll be early in the year. Um, but I could I could easily see Kentucky with Devin Leary, if he's healthy, winning nine or 10 games. I, I, I'll, I'll qualify that as a bounce back for them. I'm on the fence with the not to like sway me either way um, in terms of movement, but 
I think they should be better than they were this year. That was a surprise. Yeah, it, it, the way they in the second half of the season was not. I, I don't think it complete. I think it was totally unexpected for most. All right, Memphis sink or swim for them with teams moving out of the AAC to the Big Twelve. Ryan Silverfield's uh, looking to pick up what Mike Norville started and it hadn't gone so well so far, not finding a lot of traction. I think if nothing else, Cincy Houston and central Florida, leaving the conference, UAB, Florida, Atlantic, Charlotte, UTSA, rice, uh, North Texas. I mean, this conference gets bigger all the time, despite losing teams. Memphis should be one of those programs with some firm footing in the conference already that does bounce back, but I still don't feel good about it. I just don't see the huge influx of talent with from the portal that other schools have gotten yeah i'm with you i don't i don't think this is gonna we're gonna see much movement with memphis um more power to them but not a lot to sway me either way here all right miami mario cristobal and the canes uh a disaster last year nobody expected that i don't think from him tyler van dyke was hurt most of the year uh if he gets back to his form, maybe Miami's got a chance. Um, they strengthen their offensive line with some transfer transfer portal pieces, pardon me. Um, I think Miami could be primed for a bounce back, but we're, I think we only qualify it as a bounce back because it was such an outlier of a terrible season for them in 2022. I think they'll get back to what should be, say, middle of the road for Miami, you know, seven or eight wins. But again, that only qualifies as a bounce back because they were such trash last year. I feel like we're always waiting for Miami to bounce back from the eighties. Mm. It's just like, will they ever get Good to call. what they used to be? I don't know. Um, yeah. Again, not a lot to sway me either way. We'll see. They're obviously in a tough conference, so uh, more power to them, but <laughs> I feel like we're always talking about Miami being good at football again. And it just, they we're, don't we're always waiting for them to the be the you again right all right a couple yeah. other programs to roll through as far as bounce back candidates we'll get into those we'll swing through uh, a few games from saturday that we have an eye on on the hardwood as well plus our best bets of the weekend are on the way as well alongside kayla canaram i'm chris mack this is betqlu this is betqlu with rj chris and kayla here on the betql network presented by bet mgm <laughs> to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. All right, more than a handful of really quality hoops games this Saturday to keep an eye on. I've got one in particular that I really like a bet on. We'll get into, uh, and, and Kayla, you can throw one or two out there as well that maybe you have an eye on. We may we may overlap just a little bit as we look at the college basketball slate in just a moment. Our best bets the weekend coming up before we get out of here as well. It is BetQL. You, RJ Choppy, off this week. I'm Chris Mack alongside Kayla Canaram. And, of course, you can always watch on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL or on YouTube as well. Search BetQL. And you can listen wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Follow the podcast there on your Odyssey app. Get it delivered to you as soon as the show is ready every week. Or just listen live every Friday night and Saturday morning on the BetQL network. Back into this discussion, though, Kayla, we were having about football programs 
uh, primed for a bounce back in 2023. And we left off at what was arguably the biggest disappointment in college football last year, the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, Four and eight, uh, more pub throughout the season for their fight in the tunnel against Michigan than anything else after an 11 and two year that got Mel Tucker paid. Um, Peyton Thorne's going to have to be better at quarterback. He's going to have some competition there. I, I'll be honest. I, I was hoodwinked by Michigan State a year ago. I thought they would compete in a very tough, very deep Big Ten East. Uh, they didn't. They didn't even come close to competing. And I don't know if it's so easy to bounce back in that division and in that that side of the conference. So I don't think we get any great bounce back from Michigan State. I think it's a it's a six win year for them if you want to call that success. I'm right there with you. I don't see them just like shocking us all next season. Um, yeah, you want you want them to be good, obviously. Like they've always been mm-hmm. kind of in the mix in the Big Ten, but I still think it's the Michigan, it's the Ohio State. I'm excited to see what Wisconsin's going to do this year with uh, the new coach. So, um, yeah, I, I see them kind of staying mediocre, middle of the road. I don't see a huge swing either way for Michigan State. We'll get into Wisconsin and Luke Fickle in just a second, but another Big Ten program that some people believe is primed or at least hope is primed for a bounce back. Nebraska bringing in Matt Rule after he flopped uh, with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, But this guy, he recruits wherever he goes. It it doesn't matter. Temple, he recruited. Uh, Baylor, uh, which was a disaster when he got there. He recruited. He just, he... And he hit big in the portal this offseason, apparently. Uh, Three players, three impact players from Georgia. MJ Sherman, the edge rusher. Eric Gilbert, the tight end. uh, Jacob Hood at offensive tackle. Plus, he he nabs Elijah Judy from Texas A&M to to play up front on defense. Um, He he went out and found weapons. So now the question is, uh, can Matt Rule instantly make that jump back into contention on the Western side of the Big Ten, I think he can. I think this is a guy who is probably, I want to say he's a year or two away from contending for the Big Ten title, but I think he instantly jumps into bowl eligibility and relevance right away. For sure. I'm excited to see what he's going to do with Nebraska. And I know I mentioned it with Miami. Our producer, Zach, said it's kind of the same thing at Texas. Like, Nebraska's always a team, a organization where you think, is going to do well eventually they're going to get back to what they used to be but somehow they mm-hmm. still try to like kind of find a way to let you down um so nebraska i feel like has been on a rebuilding phase for the last however many seasons um really i feel like since they left the big 12 so we'll see if matt rule can get things back on track i think they're on their way there i don't think it's going to happen overnight next season but i think this will be the building block um to getting them there in the next few seasons Uh, Oklahoma, just six wins last year. Um, You remember every week we would talk about Brett Venables and is this the game that's going to get him run out of Norman? Um, They showed enough patience there that they didn't run him out of town this offseason, but it's wearing thin. They they watch Lincoln Riley go out to Southern Cal and come this close to a playoff appearance. They watch him do it with a bunch of kids that were recruited to Oklahoma uh, that Riley took out to SC with him. And they wonder if the cupboard is bare. And Brett Venables, to his credit, um, did go out and find some prospects. He, he, he finds Jackson Arnold, one of the top car- quarterback prospects in the nation, who will compete against Dylan Gabriel, who comes back healthy. 
Um, I think they've got a chance, but I think it's going to, I don't know if it's going to happen quickly enough for Sooner fans, their rise back to, I guess, national contention. Um, I, I think it takes another year or two. So will they bounce back from last year and that they'll be a, an eight or nine win team rather than a six win team? I think so, but I still don't know if that's good enough for, for Oklahoma fans, Kayla. This Oklahoma, I'll be honest, was the most shocking to me of all of these last season. Um, they're down year. And even in the Big 12 as a whole, it was kind of like the changing of the guards, like the TCUs, the K-States. Like, mm-hmm. we're used to Oklahoma being a powerhouse and just rolling through the Big 12. So this was by far the biggest shock to me. And I don't know that it's going to get any better for them next season based on what we saw in the Big 12 this past season. So they can try all they want. Um, they better start, you know, stacking up now before they head over to the SEC. Yeah. But I don't know that we're going to see them back at the top of the Big 12 next season based on that would be all something the other teams if- that are doing well. If Oklahoma and Texas, you know, get their early exit, which they have now, and go to the SEC, and neither of them is really in a position to compete right away, and they're just sitting sort of middle of the standings in the SEC, I mean, it's it's all well and good. You bring in two big brands, and but I will wonder if the SEC will look at it and say, hmm, was it really worth it? I mean, it got us this much more in television revenue, but if we don't get the national – title contending versions of Oklahoma and Texas on a more regular basis. If bringing them into the sec essentially hurts them more than it helps them. Does it hurt the conference as a whole more than it helps them as well? I don't know. It's, it's something interesting to watch now with those two programs joining the sec. Uh, If you're listening on your odyssey app, you can rewind back to that moment earlier in the show. When we talked about it, Texas uh, (laughs) A&M just an absolute disaster last year, Jimbo Fisher. If he didn't have the, giant buyout that he does in his contract would be looking for a job right now he goes out and he brings in Bobby Petrino okay um we'll see if he can get quality quarterback play out of his offense we'll see if he can keep himself out of trouble which is probably more important with Petrino and if he can do enough to keep Jimbo's job security up in College Station um I don't know if there's an immediate bounce back for a team like the Aggies that lost a fair amount of talent in the portal as well. Uh, I, I think they're going to have to be happy. Texas A&M with a, a seven or eight win season, bowl eligibility, and hopefully taking another step forward from there once they sort of stop the bleeding, for lack of a better way to put it. I can't believe that at the beginning of last season, I – said that Texas A&M would be in the top four when all is said and so, done. They so were many also, of us thought that was going to be the case, though, right? It's not just you. It was a bunch yeah, of us. Yeah, they also shocked me. I would say OU, Texas A&M were two that really threw me for a loop. Um, Yeah, again, I don't know that Jimbo has a lot of uh, wiggle room here. He's got to turn this thing around. But I don't know. Like, based on what we saw last year, they can try to rebuild. Also, I can't hear the name Bobby Petrino without picturing him in a neck brace. Every time, it's just like, that's the image I get. So we'll see. We'll <laughs> just visual, visual wild, on the radio for those story. of you not watching. I've got my hands wrapped around my neck like a neck brace. Anyway, yeah, no. I, that's, an interesting, I that's an interesting team there. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't hear the name Bobby Petrino without just shuddering and wondering, ooh, what's he going to do to get himself in trouble this time? All right, final team that might be primed for a bounce back, Wisconsin. You're a big fan of Luke Fickle coming over from Cincinnati. Love Luke. Every, everybody in Madison is a big fan of Luke Fickle coming over from Cincinnati. 
Uh, they bring in OC Phil Longo from UNC. That should help open things up from the three yards in a cloud of dust years under Paul Christ. Um, and, and so the expectations, which I think are outsized sometimes in Madison, the expectations I think could be paid off on fairly quickly. I think in the Big Ten West, especially, Wisconsin could go out and win nine or ten games and have what would amount to, at least statistically, a pretty big bounce back in the first year under Fickle. Look out for the Luke Fickle effect at Wisconsin. He did it at Cincinnati. He's going to do it in Wisconsin. I love this coach. I, as I've said many times on this show, um, I'm excited to see what he does at Wisconsin. I think a turnaround is coming, and I think Wisconsin will be a contender in the Big Ten this year under him. All right, so those are our dozen or so prime candidates uh, for bounce-back years in college football this fall. We can always revisit those in the fall and uh, laugh at our mistakes, <laughs> Texas A&M, uh, as we all had a year ago, and celebrate our <laughs> victories, which I think Wisconsin, who we just talked about, will probably be one of them. Let's, uh, let's combine, I guess, with just a couple minutes left in the show, our best bets of the weekend and our Saturday games to watch. There are about a half dozen college basketball games that jump out at us. At noon, Eastern, West Virginia in Austin at number five, Texas. At two, Eastern, UConn at Creighton. Bama at Auburn, four Eastern, you got Baylor TCU, Duke at Virginia, Virginia looking to cement their spot atop the ACC. And then the nightcap uh, in Oregon, the Ducks hosting number seven UCLA. I'll let you go first, Kayla. What's one of these games that you're keeping an especially close eye on that maybe even you've got a best bet on? Uh, close eye on, I'm looking at that Baylor TCU game. This is a tough one. I'm going TCU to cover for no other reason other than home court advantage. Uh, they also already beat the Bears on the road 88-87 um, by one, plus the Horn Frogs are coming in off a back-to-back loss, back-to-back losses to Oklahoma State and K-State, both on the road. So it feels like they'll want to turn things around in front of the home crowd. However, with that said, Baylor is hot at the moment, having won eight of their last nine, that one loss coming to then number 10, Texas. And let's not forget their big win over number nine, Kansas. But I'm right. still going with TCU to cover at home. But that's not my best bet. What's your best bet then? Give it to me. Because mine okay, combined into bet. the same thing. Oh, okay. My best bet, other than the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, let's go, um, is <laughs> Bama covering minus three at Auburn. This has potential to be an upset, but Bama's rolling, having won three straight. They really got things back on track after that OU loss. Then again, Auburn has lost two straight on the road and is looking to pick up a home win. So get your popcorn ready, but I still like Bama covering in this one. Uh, my best bet was going to be Baylor to cover that on the road at TCU, oh. but you, you made a very strong case and a very strong argument. So I'm going to go back and reanalyze that one now. I mean, the, the one that I think I'm, I'm all over, it has to be Virginia laying six at home against a Duke team that is just having a down year. Virginia has yep. really figured some things out. They are the best team in the ACC. Apologies to Pitt and Clemson who both have found things in different ways this year, but I, I think it's clear. Virginia, number eight in the country, best team in the ACC, will take care of business at home against Duke, favored by six, total sitting right around 128. Yeah, it's a low-scoring game, and six may be a bit much. I don't think so for the Cavs. I think they handle the Blue Devils, no problem. So I'll go with that as my best bet, and I hate to do it to you, but I think the Eagles take care of business. No! So 27 rude. 23 Jalen Hurts <sighs> with a pair of touchdowns. That's what I'm going to go I'm with. I'm going Chiefs 30 27. 
All right, we'll be back to discuss it all and break it all down again next weekend. RJ will rejoin as well. Alongside Kayla Canaram, thanks for listening live coast-to-coast on the BetQL network and wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app to BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL network presented by BetMGM.